0: If uh, you have God's Word, if you'll turn with me to the last chapter of 1 John. We finally made it, guys. The last verses of 1 John. I don't know about you, but it's been a great reminder. I love 1 John because it tells us how we know we can be saved. But it also tells us how to deal with false teaching. And I think that's really important in the world in which we find ourselves today. Uh, There's a lot of false teaching floating around out there. And we need to know what God's word has to tell us. So in 1 John chapter 5, look with me at verse 18. 1 John 5:18. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ, He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Strange way to end a book, isn't it? Little children, keep yourself from idols. Let's pray together. Father, we are so blessed to know You. Father, so thankful for Your Word and what it teaches us. Lord, I know that the words that I speak, Lord, they come from Your Word. And I pray they will focus on Your Word tonight. I pray, God, that You will make these words come alive in our hearts. Father, You would challenge us where we need to be challenged. You would provide hope for us where we need hope. And encouragement, Lord, when we need encouragement. Father, thank You for this wonderful letter that was left to us, penned by the Apostle John, but Lord, inspired by Your Holy Spirit. And Father, we're thankful for what it teaches us. Lord, we pray this and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, knowledge is a good thing and sometimes can be a bad thing. A few weeks ago, my daughter was working with my granddaughter, my oldest granddaughter, uh, Katie, who is 11. And she was trying to teach her a math concept. In case y'all didn't know, my daughter homeschools. So she was trying to teach her math. And Katie is really good at math. But she was having a really hard time grasping this concept. And finally, her mom kept explaining it in a number of different ways. And finally, it clicked just like that. And the minute it clicked, she got it. She was good to go. She didn't have to go back and relearn it again. It was clear to her exactly what needed to happen in this math concept. We've been talking about in the Gospel of John the importance of knowledge. And the reason why John was so focused on this concept was that these false teachers, these pre-Gnostic teachers, these... Uh, ones who thought Jesus came in spirit only, that He didn't come in the flesh. Uh, They felt like salvation was through more knowledge, not through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So John finishes up this particular letter by telling us three things that we can truly know. Three things that we can truly know. Notice, first of all, in verse 18, he says, We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. Uh, These false teachers were telling these believers that there was no such thing as sin. They were saying that all matter is evil and spirit is good. And the only thing that's going to heaven is your spirit, not your body, so you can do whatever you want to in your body. And we've already seen how John has said in the very first, uh, first chapter of this particular letter, if we sin, we need to confess that sin to God. And if we confess that sin to God, He is faithful and just to forgive us of sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. True knowledge over and against Gnostic knowledge tells us what saves is not knowledge. It's not how much you know, it's who you know. Salvation comes in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Those who have been born of God talks of an ongoing relationship that a Christian has with God. It is an ongoing thing. Our salvation, the verb tense that's used there means it's a point in time when we were saved and that salvation continues to impact our life today. It continues to have an impact on our relationship to God. And so he says, everyone who has been born of God does not keep on practicing a lifestyle of sin. Why is that? Because we have the Holy Spirit who has come to live inside of us that directs our life. And if we will lean on the Holy Spirit, if we will look to the Holy Spirit, He will help us to get rid of the sin that's in our life and confess that sin to God. But He also will keep us from living a lifestyle, a habitual lifestyle of sin. Doesn't mean we never commit a sin. Because that'd be a lie, wouldn't it? We all sin. I don't want to sin. I want to do that which is pleasing to God. But I still sin. And all of us do. But we don't live in a lifestyle of sin. It is an occasional occurrence and the more we walk with God and the more we allow God's Holy Spirit to control our life, the less we will sin. And so for these false teachers who were saying that sin is a non-issue, that you don't sin because what you do in your body doesn't really matter, John would say no. The person who has been truly born of God does not continue to practice sin in his or her life. He goes on to say that he who is born of God or he who was born of God, or God himself, protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We are born of God. We are protected by God. And literally that word there where it says that the that uh, the evil one does not touch him. The word that's used there literally means to grab a hold of and to keep a hold of or to control a believer's life. So for those of us who've been born again of the Spirit of God, the the Satan cannot control our life. Now, can we yield in and give in to his temptations? Can we? You can talk, it's okay. Yeah, we can, can't we? We can yield ourselves to temptation. But it doesn't mean we're under the control totally and completely of the evil one. I've had people ask me before, can a Christian be demon possessed? And the answer to that question is no, because the Holy Spirit is not going to occupy the same place as a demon is going to occupy. So one of two things are happening. Either you're not possessed by a demon or you're not truly been born again and the Spirit of God doesn't live in your heart and life. But if you've been born of God, the evil one cannot control you, cannot control what you do. The second thing we know, so not only do we know that those who have been born of God do not keep on sinning, but the second thing he says here is that we know that we are from God. How do we know we're from God? How do we know we're from God? Well, first of all, because the Spirit of God lives inside of us. John tells us very clearly in this, in this letter that one of the evidences that we have been born of God and one of, the, one of the evidences that we can know that we are of God is that we have love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Guys, if we don't ever leave any other legacy than the legacy of love, we've accomplished what God wants us to do. Jesus said the two most important commandments are to love God and to love others. To love God and to love others. That's what we're supposed to do. How can we know that we are of God? Well, do we love our brothers and sisters in Christ? Do we truly care about them? Do we love God with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our mind? We know that we are from God. Must, this must have been a great encouragement to those Christians. You remember what had happened, right? These false teachers, these pre-Gnostic teachers, kept coming in and telling these Christians, we've got something else that you guys don't have. We've got a higher knowledge. And if you really want to be saved, you need to come buy into this higher knowledge. And just like oftentimes happens with false teaching, that false teaching led those believers astray. And many of people that... This church thought, literally were their brothers and sisters in Christ, left and followed the false teaching. You remember John said over in chapter 2, these people went out from us because they were not of us. In fact, later on, he will call these people that have left the congregation behind, he will call them Antichrist. And the reason why he does that is because they're teaching false teaching. And they refused to accept the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. They said Jesus just appeared to be human, that He really wasn't human. And that, is that not the nature of the Antichrist? To declare that Christ is not who He claimed to be? Isn't that what Antichrist is all about? He opposes everything that has anything to do with God. And so John described them there. Think about how much encouragement it must have been to these Christians who... I mean, literally... You know, let's say, let me just for instance, let's just say Miss Peggy back there and Larry over here and Carolyn over here and Miss Evelyn over here. Just say one, one day they decided they, they bought into this false teaching and they just walked away from us. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that hurt deeply inside of us? Wouldn't we wonder, I wonder what we did wrong. That caused them to go somewhere else to look to a different truth. It must have been devastating to these young believers in Christ to know that maybe half, maybe even more than half of the people that were members of their congregation left and started following these false teachers. And not only did they leave and start following these false teachers, but they were continually contacting these people, these friends. These former, these former people that they went to church with and saying to them, hey, we've got something really exciting over here. You need to come over here and try this out. You need to come over here with me and go this way. And really the, book of first, the letter of 1 John was written primarily to keep those who were tempted to follow this false teaching to help them understand that it truly was of the devil. It was of the evil one, this false teaching, and they needed to be firm and remain committed to Christ, So think about what encouragement it would mean for you today if, if a bunch of folks in our church left and went somewhere else. We know that we are from the Lord. We belong to the Lord. We also know that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. That word literally there to be under the power, literally means to be under the sway. And it describes an animal who has been caught in a trap and who has struggled and struggled and struggled and struggled to try to get free. And eventually, this animal realizes there's no way to get out, and so they just lay down exhausted and just give up. That describes the people in this world, does it not? The people of this world have bought into Satan's lie and they are under the control of the evil one. They're under the control of this worldly system and they simply have laid down and as I say, their minds are made up and they don't really want to be confused with the facts. They don't want to consider who Christ is. They become comfortable in the lifestyle in which they find themselves. Guys, we know, we know that the world is under the control of the evil one. We need to beware. We need to know these things. We need to live focused lives because Satan's one desire. Well, Satan's really got two or three things that he really likes to do. First of all, he likes to keep people blinded so that they can't see the truth of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and get saved. That's the first thing Satan does. He tries every trick in the book to get you to... not believe in Jesus, not even think about Jesus, not go to a church, not listen to the gospel being proclaimed. Or he starts putting doubts in your mind. That preacher doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't comb his hair from the right side. You know, why would you listen to him? Satan will do anything and everything to keep you from putting your faith and trust in Christ. And then once you get saved, Satan will do anything and everything to convince you that you're lost. Because if he can convince you that you're lost, you will be ineffective and unproductive as a believer in Christ. He doesn't want you to do anything for you. He doesn't want you to tell anybody else about the Lord. He doesn't want you to bring anybody else to faith in Jesus. He doesn't want you to disciple those who put their faith and trust in Christ. He wants you to ignore Jesus. And so that's what Satan tries to do. Not only that, but those who have not put their faith and trust in Christ, they are under the power, under the sway of the evil one. They've literally laid down and let Satan and this world system have its way. Notice the third thing that we know. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true and we are in Him who is true. We know that the Son of God has given us, He has come, stresses His incarnation, the very thing that John has been writing about in this whole letter. He has written to help us know that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus came in flesh. Because if if Jesus, who is God, was not wedded with humanity or became flesh, then Jesus could not die as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He couldn't pay the penalty of our sins so that we could be saved. If Jesus just appeared to be human, if He really wasn't human, then we're all still dead in our trespasses and sin and on our way to hell. It is only through an atoning sacrifice where Jesus dies as our substitute. He pays the penalty of our sin that we might be forgiven. And so we know... If we know Jesus Christ, if we are believers, we know that the Son of God has truly come. The Son of God stresses the deity of Christ. The fact that He has come stresses the humanity of Christ. In other words, God became man so that He could bring about forgiveness for us. We know that this is the true one. The Gnostic teachers, these false teachers these pre-gnostic guys these successionists these who pulled away from the church they were convinced that there was another way of salvation and it depended on their intellect what they knew and if they would have this higher form of knowledge then they would move higher up on the chain and that would literally if they got high enough up on that chain it would save them you know what the bible says By the works of the flesh shall no person be justified. That means by the works of the flesh, the things that you and I do, even the good things that we do, we cannot be put back into a right relationship with God. We cannot be justified. That means to be put in a right relationship with God. We, in and of ourselves, we cannot make ourselves holy before God. And the Bible says without holiness, without righteousness or holiness, nobody can see God. And so you and I, cannot do that on our own but if we know the son of god has come not only that but notice what he also says a direct john's direct attack on these false teachers god has given us understanding understanding doesn't come from human effort understanding comes from the revelation of god god has revealed to us who jesus is god has revealed his will to us in this book right here it didn't matter how much knowledge these false teachers had. It didn't matter how highfalutin they sounded. It didn't matter if they had something that, that turned people on. It's knowledge that turned people on. None of that mattered. God Himself has given us understanding. It comes as an act of God. It is not something that you and I gain for ourselves. You and I have understanding because the Holy Spirit of God takes the Word of God And applies it to our life. The Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and applies it to our life. That's where real understanding comes from. And we have this understanding. Why? So that we may know Him who is true. What were these false teachers saying? That Jesus was false. That He wasn't who He claimed to be. And John says, you're wrong. Jesus is the true one. He is the one who all Scripture points to. We are in Him who is true. How are you saved? There's only one way of salvation. There's only one name given among men, whereby men must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. The only way that anybody be saved is through Jesus. So we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, notice what it says. He is the true God and eternal life. Scholars have debated this particular phrase. Does this refer to God or does this refer to Jesus? Literally, he is. it really says this is the true God. That's the actual adjective that's used there. This is the true God and eternal life. Does it refer back? The closest antecedent, of course, is Jesus Christ. But in Scripture, what we're told is salvation comes from God through Jesus Christ. And if you go back to verse 19, it says, We know that we are from God. It's referring to God. So if this, if this phrase, He is the true God in eternal life, if it refers back to Jesus Christ, that's one of the clearest statements in all of Scripture for the deity of Jesus Christ. It's one of the clearest statements that we have that Jesus is part of the triune Godhead. If it points to God, it reminds us that God is the source of our salvation. We are saved by grace through faith, that not of ourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation comes from God through Jesus Christ to us. And then the very last thing he says is, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Now, nowhere in this book does John mention anything about the pagan idols that people worship during that day and time. So, to finish up a book like this, you had to figure that John's congregation would understand what he's talking about. But you know, there are other things besides gods of wood and stone, aren't there? There are gods of money, gods of pleasure, there's other gods. I think the God, the idols that John is talking about here, since this whole book is about idolatry, people who've left Jesus Christ to go follow this false teaching, I think the idolatry that John is referring to here, he's referring to the idolatry of false ideas. Ideas and what you think can become an idol in your life. And I think that's what John is talking about here. Keep yourselves from idols. That word keep yourself is like a shepherd guarding the sheep against the ferocious animals. Guys, we need to take due diligence in ourselves that we guard our own souls against false teaching. False teaching has not gotten any less. In fact, it abounds every day. Adam was showing me something on his device there earlier. That was false teaching. False preaching. It was very clear that it was if you knew the Lord Jesus Christ. You knew it was false. Our spirits bear witness with other spirits. God tells us what teaching is false. But you and I, I can't guard you 24-7. The Lord Jesus Christ is with you. You've got to depend on Him. And you've got to take God's Word. And you've got to devour this Word. You've got to internalize this Word so that you live according to the truth, not according to false teaching. John speaking to that congregation, that flock that was left. He said, my little children. I love it when John does that. My dear little children, keep yourselves from idols. Guys, we live in a day and time when false teaching abounds. You and I have got to make a concerted effort to focus on what this book says. We've got to learn what this book says. And we need to pass on, as I was talking about this morning, we need to pass on what we're learning to the generations that come behind us. If not, we'll read about this generation like Judges talked about the generation that came after the people that left, the, left slavery and went to the Promised Land. There grew up a generation that knew not Moses or the wonderful things that God has done. May that never be said of us. May that never be said of our generation. May we pass on the truth that God sent Jesus Christ in human flesh so that He might live a sinless life and therefore qualify to be our substitute on the cross. Jesus died for the sins, not only our sins, as John said, but for the sins of the world. God's not willing that any should perish. He wants all to have everlasting relation. Every person on this planet is a unique creation of God. And God cares about every one of them. And you and I, Need to care enough to tell them the truth about who Jesus is. Let's go, to the Lord, in prayer. Father, I